Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking about tabletop gaming and tips and tricks that you can use for your own games at home, help bring them up to the next level. Today we're going to be talking about splitting the party and how to make it work with multiple groups running simultaneously and separately. In this, My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator. In the studio with me today is Jared, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and looking very snazzy in his new suit, Ed. Thank you. That's it's very nice. Where'd you get it? Brooks Brothers, 45th and Madison. You, sir, are a barbarian. Thank you. So today we're talking about splitting up the party. Now, by and large, this is considered to be a no-no. It's general GM advice to say, always keep it together and never let the party split up. It's a headache. It's not worth it. And the thing is, it's tricky. It's difficult. It has all sorts of ways to crash your game. And if you pull it off... Just right, it is totally awesome. So we're going to be talking about how to do it, when to do it, how to make it work. So the first thing, let's talk about when. What are the appropriate times to have a party split up? The correct answer is not never. (laughs) Like I said, generally, they, they, the the ambiguous they that always looks over and tells you what to do in every step of the way says never split the party. But yes, there are times to do that. I think the whole never split the party thing, uh, you know, it really comes from a player's perspective too. It's, you know, you, you, you start playing the game and you uh, play for a while. And then whenever the party splits up or whenever someone says that an experienced player always says, no, never split up the party. And that's because some GMs like to mess with people who split up. I think it also comes from the belief that the game is a, is a team sport. You want to have the team, keep it together. Everybody fights together. I agree. We all stand on our own um, because you do make yourself more vulnerable by splitting up. Yeah, I honestly think that the original taboo of it was that you've weakened your party. If you're splitting in half, you've instantly diminished your ability in half in each party. You know, if the healer went this way and the fighter went that way, okay, the healer's here, great, but the fighter's over there. So you're just overall, like you said, more vulnerable and, you know, more likely to have a death in the party, if not a total party wipe. I think in more recent years, some of the taboo of splitting the party is just the fact of the way that things run, honestly. Which kind of goes to an interesting point of comparing old school GMing versus newer school GMing, in my opinion. Kind of saying that back in the day, we were more worried about being vulnerable. Nowadays, we're more worried about the fact that it can slow down the the game. You wind up with players being bored. Right. um, Where... The old mentality was a a very adversarial DM versus players. Like, you want to... The DM almost wants to try to challenge and hurt and kill the player characters. Where now, it's like, well, we don't want people getting bored. Mm -hmm. We don't want them sitting around and doing nothing. Well, I also think a lot of it has to just do with the fact that, you know, like, you know, and this is just my interpretation and kind of like, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this, but as we're talking about it now, it's kind of going through my head of just like the atypical attention span of the modern day person compared to say 30 years ago 
you know, you got so much, you know, media and tech going on, like people are just used to being able to be entertained at all times instead of being patient and waiting their turn. Also, I think old school GM versus new school GM, old school GM was very much 100% theater of the mind. You know, models didn't really come into play. Maps didn't really come into play, you know. I'm sure there was a little bit of that going on, a little bit of props and stuff like that. I'm not going to take away, you know, any of that stuff from old school, but I just think it was very much theater of the mind. People were just used to sitting around a table and listening to the GM and mm-hmm. being immersed. Compared to nowadays, you have to fight to keep the attention of a lot of your players because everyone's got phones and cell phones and iPads and tablets, and you know, there's uh, 14 different movies going on that they could be watching on Netflix, and their cues backing up, and you know, you're just you're fighting to maintain the attention span of ADD America. Hold on, could you repeat that? I'm tweeting this. <laughs> Come again? No, uh, no, I, I, I certainly agree with a, a, a lot of that there. But as far as when to split your party up, I do like what you said. You know, not never. Uh, maybe, you know, if you break your campaign down into um, stories, into like kind of sectionized like uh, adventures, where you know you know you're going to have I don't know six or eight sessions before that particular adventure is over, then, you know, onto the new section of the campaign. I'd say maybe, maybe once during that grouping, you could do more or you could do less if you do it a lot. But, um, you know, as far as a, a GM to, to pace out when to break them off, you know, let it be rare, but let it happen every once in a while. And that also gives you that, that space for when the players accidentally do it themselves. They, they walk off on their own, you know, maybe the rogue and the fighter go to try to sell some goods and get better gear. And then they find like a shady salesman uh, who tries to steal from the fighter and they get themselves in a little fight while well, the group split up now, you know, and that's just something they just did on their own. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think as a GM, absolutely. If the players say that they're going to split up, if they have a plan that requires these people to go that way, these people to go that way, then as a DM, I generally like let's come up with that at the end of the session so mm-hmm. that I can be prepared next session for it. But the little the little incidentals, splitting up in town, maybe having something happen once to right. one or two people, but not everybody. I use that a lot myself. Uh, that's a great way to advance individual storylines. Oh, certainly. Somebody shows, you know, they're in town, they're hanging out. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, you don't tell me what you're doing. A courier comes up with a letter for you, you know, and we're advancing your personal plot line. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's a time to use the split. But yeah, also, the player planning, the player planned what? to split up, also very. One thing I'd like to add in there real quick, um, it, don't do it all the time. Some people like splitting the party up and like so whenever they go off and they split themselves up like every other time they'll like hit them with something. Uh, that's a little too often for me. I mean, let's be honest. More often than not, when you go to the grocery store, you get in, you get your groceries, you get out. You know, you don't get attacked by ninja thieves. So, and it's also a case where like, oh, oh you like pizza? Well, we're gonna have pizza every week for the every night for the next month. I would love you that. That would be awesome. You're the exception. <laughs> a lot of people after thirty straight days of pizza are gonna be like, can we have? Tacos? Can we have something else? Taco pizza. Um, if you're do- if you're splitting the party all the time, it doesn't become special, right? And yeah. uh, you reminded me of a taco pizza that was saw on the way over. They, they used. I bought freedom. a slice of that. Oh, oh, you disgusted <laughs> really? me. I did not look good. Well, how was it? <laughs> it was. It didn't. It, it tasted better than it looked. It didn't. It didn't well, smell much better than it looked. But it back on topic, the moderator has spoken. <laughs> even though I was the one that let us off here. Um, but yeah, if you use it as something special to spice it up once exactly. in a while, it can be really cool. Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to pacing. That's what it all comes down to. You know, you got to know when and how to use this. There's there's no rule. I can't say every third session you should be splitting the party, but you should be able to feel it out and know how to do it. Like, look, right. at, look at your atypical adventure movie, okay? You're going through, like, a perfect time to forcibly split the party is going through the dungeon. Say there's a trap door and it sucks in two people or there's a pit trap or whatever. And instead of falling to a pick of, pit of spikes, it falls to a third, you know, a different level. And it's one of those Goonies kind of moments where it's like, hey, you, are you okay down there? You're like, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, okay, well, I can't find a way down, so we're going to have to hopefully meet up down the road kind of thing. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're planning to split the party, you know, then, you know, dungeons are great opportunities. You know, city, you know, again, city. Like you said, you know, casual encounters, easy, sure, fine. But also, if you're running a city-based adventure or you want to split the party, and the city is a perfect opportunity to do that. And it doesn't have to just be, you know, a little incidental thing. You can turn it into an elaborate, you know, deal. You know, maybe someone gets kidnapped and you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And now you're suspected of being the kidnapper. And boom, you're arrested. You're separated from the rest of the party. The rest of the party's fine. You're arrested. How does the rest of the party deal with that? Right. So, again, it comes down to pacing, how you want to deal with it. I think the biggest trick to separating the party is just how you run it at the table. You know, step one, pacing it, knowing when to appropriately, you know, insert it into your game. But, you know, a very strong number two is running the separate, you know, separated party. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Right. And uh, uh, maybe another uh, when... Um, this is more of an in-game thing, and it depends on how much realism you're putting in your game. You know, you might be playing a, a game with vampires or superheroes or people that can cast fireballs, so realism might not be what you're going for, but, you know... I have the, all of those in my daily life. Yeah, and, and on, but on the other hand, you know, these are humanoids who eat and poop and clean themselves, so they have to go off and do their own thing sometimes. And, I never uh, go to the bathroom alone. Exactly. I have a dog. <laughs> you know, but I mean, those are those are times when you can have things happen to them. Maybe not while they're pooping necessarily, but uh, but that is a good opportunity. <laughs> In fact, Goblin's webcomic, uh, yeah, goblinscomic.com by Terrell Hunt uh, actually has a brief mention of a character that managed to level up by pooping. <laughs> actually, actually, it makes sense in the context of the story. Sorry, sidetrack. Good comic, though. Check it out. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I remember this one time. I'll make this quick. I remember this one time. There was uh, one of my players. Uh, his, his character was just going off to clean himself, and I'd let him do it, you know. You know, he this is something he throws in there every once in a while. Yeah, you go off, take a bath before we leave, you know, that sort of thing. You know, makes sense for the character. Uh, eventually, I thought, well, I'll just throw like a goblin or two at him. He was like fifth, sixth level. It's a fighter. But... Out of his armor with no weapons and a system that, you know, gave attacks for opportunity if he didn't have unarmed combat, that turned into a challenging fight. And I think that would be really cool as, you know, as a fighter to, to be able to go and throttle a couple of goblins and just like, this yeah. is my life. <laughs> Who does number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> you tell him. <laughs> Uh, I think it's also splitting the party can be used to heighten um, that sense of yes. vulnerability, that sense of danger. Uh, we're going to be talking about horror games coming up at some point, and that's definitely, you know, if you want to scare your party, if you want to make them feel vulnerable, feel afraid, feel like they might be in trouble, splitting the party is a great way to do that. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, that's kind of one of the primary functions of splitting the party from, like, from a GM's perspective is to either 
have that moment where you want to, like, if you want to isolate one player and give them a spotlight or progress their story, that's one way. But I think one of the primary things, especially if you're just splitting it down the middle, is just creating that vulnerability, creating smaller, you know, smaller groups, you know, there's safety in numbers in most of these games. So you've reduced those numbers and you've severely, you know, like opened them up to, you know, to having gaps in their, their defensive line and their abilities to, you know, to just handle situations. Okay. Now we don't have a rogue. How do we get out of this locked room? Okay. Now we don't have a healer. How do we patch up the party that just got their butt whooped? Okay. Where's the fighter? How do we deal with whooping some butt on our own? You know, where's the magic user that normally gets us out of these quirky situations? Right. Duct tape is the answer to all four of those. Right. Uh, or at least the magic <laughs> people up part. Yes. Uh, um, so, yeah. So I think that's that's primarily the, 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 the thought process of splitting the parties is just creating vulnerability. And it's nice, honestly, from a GM's perspective to make the party feel vulnerable because – Honestly, especially like with some of these newer systems, they're geared more and more favoring the player, which I already did as a GM typically. So it becomes it's harder and harder to challenge these guys. Some you know, like you have a yeah. good solid group, especially with experienced players. Like looking at fifth edition specifically, game the system totally favors the players. You have a good solid group of four to five or six players. Jesus, like it's it's almost impossible to freaking you know challenge them. They're taking short rests every other fight, <laughs> long rests, and getting one hundred percent you know of everything back. You know, including hit points without any healing necessary you know unless you're modding the the standard rules which is always an option that's you know house rules and there's rules for that and suggestions in the dmg but it's just in general it's just hard to kind of make them feel like their life is it you know on the line so you separate them you take their healer away from them take the rogue away from them whatever and, and put them in you know the opposite so you know you put the rogue in the situation where you need the healer and you put the healer in the situation where you need the rogue and all of a sudden people are kind of you know pissing themselves a little bit like oh this fucking sucks <laughs> taken out of their comfort zone yeah exactly which is a good thing actually you know you have you know I, I'm I'm sure you know anyone here has read a book or watched a movie or t- seen a TV show where. Uh, someone has had to be taken out of their comfort zone. Yeah, you know, yeah. Overcoming adversary makes you feel like a hero, right? The healer's the one that's in in medical trouble, so someone has to help him. Or the saving driver, right? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> or you know, you know, or what have you? You know, uh, the wizard's in trouble, Gandalf. Right. <laughs> wizard is never in trouble. Right, right. Someone needs to decipher the the ancient texts, and the wizard's you know out for some reason. You know, right? Yeah. Um. But, you know, but whatever, there's always, there's always, you know, there's always a, it's always been a tool for GMs to, you know, periodically take players out of their comfort zone, challenge them a bit. And splitting the party is a, a way to do that. Yeah, it's a tool in the, the chest, not the tool in the chest. And I think you can also hit it with the doing exactly the opposite, um, splitting up the party so that each party member is in their their zone of strength exactly. so that you can throw complications at them that other party members wouldn't be able to handle. Right. This is probably best used for either doing the heist or doing a big climax because it you know heightens that intensity, a sense of drama. But, you know, the rogue is sneaking in and all of a sudden they've tripled the number of guards or they're the wizard is going along and he's tasked with getting rid of all the magic and and all of the spells are now repairing and reweaving themselves. Now he needs to think on the fly to work and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have the support of the other party members to back him up. They've got to handle it on their own. Yeah, definitely. As much as it can take them out of their comfort zone, it's also a really good tool to, 
make them do make exactly let them shine make them do the thing they're really good at yeah i was gonna say that's that very much goes hand in hand with the you know sharing the spotlight thing go back and check out that episode where you give each player slash character a chance to shine that's definitely a good way you can do that by you know isolating them and putting them in a situation where like this is all you dude this is your deal show us what you got Mm -hmm. yeah i actually had a very successful game where i managed to use splitting the party to to uh, I mean I don't want to brag too much but I felt it worked out really well. Bragger, <coughs> Jerry, Jerry <laughs> likes to brag. <laughs> By splitting the party into, they split into two groups of their own accord, and I went back and forth between the two groups, and information from one impacted the other group in a way. Uh, one group was finding out information about what the other group was going through that changed and heightened it. And, you know, intensifying is, oh, no, they're in danger, but we have no way to get in touch with them. Um, But everybody was working within their own strengths, and it wound up being, we're going to show you just how awesome this character is by adding these complexities and then letting that character overcome them. Right. Um, So you bring it in right, and you can really use that to, to help a player kind of show off to the other players a bit. Yeah, splitting the player, um, splitting the players, splitting the group can also help cover more ground, you know, figuratively and literally. Uh, like in the last episode in props, we mentioned how I did like a kind of a mystery game, and the group split into two groups so they could cover more ground, literally, in this town and go around and do a bunch of investigating. So I mean, that's something an, an easy party split. And honestly, it was one of those again, one of those things. It, like it ran very easily for me. You know, I literally split the party up. Told them, you guys are going here, you guys are going here. They kind of discussed amongst themselves, and it kind of really offered a lot of role-playing opportunity within the groups. Mm -hmm. Because then each group is formulating a plan. Let's go here, let's talk to this guy. Okay, well, we're going to go here, we're going to go talk to this guy. And I just sat back and waited for them to address me and tell me where they were going and who they wanted to talk to. Okay, these guys are going to go to the church. They want to talk to the the priest that's there. Okay, we have a quick little role-playing session. These guys are going here and talking to one of the guards. Okay, we have a quick little role-playing session. And I'm basically just kind of like the teacher fielding questions after having assigned some in-class work. Like, okay, yep, you got, okay, where are you going? Who are you talking to? Okay, this is the information that they have. Where are you going? Who are you talking to? This is the information they have. Hey, roll me some dice. Okay, you found this clue. Okay, here, you know, let me hand you one of these letters from the, the diary that we talked about in the last episode. Okay, you roll some dice. Okay, you guys found a page too. And then each group has different pages from the same diary. They're out of order. You know, they don't even necessarily know that each other have other pages then we get back into like what jerry talked about of like you know separate player knowledge and having to cooperate it was a very in my opinion it was one of you know it was a really nice session where i it was very easy on me as a gm mm-hmm. you know i mean there's a little bit of prep involved but the players were engrossed the whole time but i wasn't having to work a hundred percent of the time to right. keep them engrossed with actually um that plays in one of the other times that it can be useful to split the parties when you have a large group. Right. Right. I didn't, I think we might've discussed this briefly we, in group yeah, size. We, yeah, we did yeah, talk. We did. Yeah. We talked yeah. about it in group size and we did mention that when we discussed that specific session before that we, you know, we had an average of seven to eight players. So it was a large group. Yeah. When you have a large number of players, you can split up into many adventuring parties without being worried about being too overwhelmed to kind of, you know, again, you want to follow some of the tips that we talked about in group size for keeping people engaged, but you can move in, move through, have two larger, 
or take one large group into two medium sized groups and be able to manage each of them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Also, um, as you were sort of mentioning uh, uh, a little tidbit from your game there, the splitting a party up almost comes naturally when you run a mystery game. Yeah. A lot of that's going to be as well, because, you know, I mean, how many procedural cop shows are on TVs these days? You mm-hmm. know, what always happens? Well, group A goes, finds these questions. Group B goes and looks at these questions. You know, the yeah, it's intuitive. The forensics people investigate the body, that sort of, you know, in the crime mm-hmm. scene. So there's all kinds of information coming in from different angles. So right. when we do talk about how to do a mystery, that's probably going to come up. Yeah, you know, it's splitting gonna, up it's, that information. it's going to be a big piece of that. Yeah. Which is one of the huge like things. Like my subtle hint there. Huh? <laughs> mystery games. <laughs> Which is one of the huge things about the differences between modern and like medieval fantasy type mm-hmm. is the existence of cell phones. Right. They enable players and more player characters rather to share information like almost in real time. Uh, I've had games set in modern time where the party's splitting up and there's just so much like texting and phone calls between players as new information comes up and allows them to stay in communication that in a way takes away from that sense of vulnerability because you are still connected. But at the same time, it allows you to have the information that one player obtains be shared with the other players and to do kind of that cross site. Uh, exchange works out really well. Mm. And if you don't mind me taking a moment to make another observation, that's another thing that I've seen that has changed a lot, um, specifically in like a lot of the D&D games that I see nowadays, comparing old school versus new school. Old school, there's a specific magic item called Sending Stones, which is basically a cell phone. You know, like you have one Sending Stone, I have a Sending Stone, and we can talk to each other. Back in the day, it was a very, very uncommon magic item. Nowadays, I feel like almost every other group that I hear about has like some sort of special modded, cell, um, you know, sending stones set up where like they basically have like earbuds or cell phones where they're in touch with each other all the time. Right. And I think that's just, you know, kind of, again, another commentary on, you know, like modern, you know, like what we're used to. Like back in the day, you know, we were, we were role playing and we didn't have cell phones, you know, 30 years ago. Nowadays, we're just so used to and ingrained and in having constant communication that even when role playing a medieval style, you know, you know, fantasy game, we have to have that community. Like, how dare I not be able to just tell them what's going on? That will right. save so much trouble if I could just, you know, cell phone them real quick. You know what? Let's, we're going to get some. We need some sending stones right now. <laughs> we need some special modded sending stones for so everyone in the party has an earbud and we can talk to each other however we see fit, whenever we see fit. Or if you're playing fifth edition D anD D, sending's a third level cleric or druid spell mm-hmm. or a cleric or bard I think yeah um, so it's really and I think easy. message is a cantrip isn't it message is a cantrip or, or message is a cantrip something. but I think it only has like 120 foot oh range. sure short range but yeah it's short range I always describe it to the new players as magic walkie talkies mm-hmm. that's that's and, a good way to that, and sending is the magic cell phones yeah uh, also about splitting groups up I I'm not well let me let me see I'll, I'll kind of explain see if this kind of fits in the uh I, I, I like to almost use it to bring a group together, you know, like every, a lot of people like to bring the group together. Oh, you're in a tavern or you all know each other and someone asks you to meet up. Uh, there's been a few games where I've had everyone kind of, you know, develop their backstory. And I'll actually like the first session role play them separately and then sort of bring them in. So it's yeah, I've done that it's, a few times. it's a little bit, I guess, 
I guess you have to look at it a certain way to look like it's splitting the group up, but it kind of yeah. is. And you're kind of giving them their own thing, letting them shine in their own little world for a minute, you know, letting Batman take down some criminals, letting, you know, Superman, you know, destroy some sort of evil robot thing. And then they come together because uh, some supervillain they have to team up uh, to defeat is yeah. all behind it. Because plot. Yeah. <laughs> I think we actually referred to that a little bit when we were talking about gathering the group. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The yes. individual prologues and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked a little, we've talked quite a bit now, uh, I think a bit more than we were originally planning to, about when to use it, how it can be used for the game. Now, let's actually talk a little bit about the mechanics of actually running the game right. with a split group. Right. I think there's a couple of different options you can use. Um, you can run it with as separate sessions. Mm-hmm. The party splits up, and next session it's going to be this group showing up. The session after that it's going to be the other group, and then we're going to bring everybody back together. Mm-hmm. I think that works out really well as far as an immersive standpoint, because party A literally has no clue what's going on with party B until after they get back together and tell, find out what's going on. Yeah, but that comes down to having to make sure that you know you got scheduling conflicts. You're trying to organize, you know, scheduling with multiple people. Well, normally we get together on Sundays, but you know, either you start splitting it up so it's every other Sunday, so you have Group A and Group B, or hey, can you get together on Mondays and we'll get together on Sundays? You know, there's just there's a lot of logistics involved, which right. again, I think that that's a great method for certain circumstances, but it's just a harder to pull off method. Or, the, or this group is going to game from noon to five and this group is going to game from five to eleven. And then yeah. you just wind up scheduling the day around a really long day for the DM yeah. and two very short days for players. Yeah, And that brings up something too, when you are splitting the group up you know, whether you have like half the group here, half the group there, or you have each one individually, you really have to work on your pacing. You have to yes. keep that in mind. That's a mechanic you have to think about. As a GM, I made the error one time. I, I had all of my groups split up and we were doing like separate role playing things. And I went around the table. I gave everyone like a good, you know, five or ten minutes. But by the time I got to the last person, that had been like an hour when mm-hmm. they were waiting. And then when I, t- when I finally got to them, they had had so much time to think. They knew all of the things they wanted to do. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to spend like 20 minutes with this person because they, they have everything that they, they want to know. Yeah. They were bored for so long because yeah. it took me a while to get to them. Yeah. But then they also had a giant list of things that they wanted to do and actually role play out. And I'm like, oh, no, what did I do? So you want to be careful of your pacing. Yep. You want to let your players know, hey, we can really gonna only put so much time to this, you know, because this is a group thing. Yeah, and that's when you're splitting the party and running everyone simultaneously at the table. Yes. My personal preference for doing that is rolling initiative, and whether you're in combat or not, running an initiative. Then you're bouncing back and forth, and you're being as fair as possible. Yeah. Um, it's especially useful, obviously, for if you want to run, you know, simultaneous combats. You know, you can run two combats, you know, in lo- different right. locations at the same time. Just roll one massive initiative for everything. Yeah. And then just run straight right down the list. So then you're bouncing yeah. back and forth, and you're keeping all the players engaged. And they also know when it's going to be their turn. They're, you know, they're engaged. You know, it's all over the place. But it's it's also very, again, very theatrical because, you know, you can see what's going on in location one and location two and bouncing back and forth. And that can add some nice drama, let's say, in location one. They fire off a thunderbolt spell. In location two, they may hear the booming echo of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're running them separately, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that probably happened somewhere in there. Or yeah. if you ran location two first, like, oh, well, yeah, we didn't even know that was going to happen. So, 
Yeah, and depending on the location and the setup, they might even more directly affect each other, where, like, uh, I use Earthquake. Okay, well, you're actually on the second floor, the other party's below you, and now all of a sudden the ceiling's caving in on the, you know, the the other party. You know, you can actually have them directly affect each other in those kind of, you know, manners. Uh, So, again, you know, that's my personal preference, but even if you're not in combat, you know, roll initiative, run down the list, try to be like, you know, like, look... You know what order I'm coming at you in. Try to be quick to the point. Maybe have a timer. Like, look, you're getting two minutes, you know, each. There's eight people at the table. That's 16 minutes already accounted for, not to mention my retort. We're probably talking 20 minutes to get around the table. Let's just go, 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 go. Keep it short to the point. And you know what? If you don't cover everything, that's fine. We'll come back around the table. But I don't want to wait an hour to get to the last guy. Right. Uh, I would think another thing mechanically to think about, too, is if you are splitting, splitting the group up, you have to make sure that whatever challenge is in front of them is something they can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it depends. Maybe you want to let them shine, so it's an easy challenge. You know, you throw your seventh-level fighter up against, you know, uh, two or three hobgoblins or something, you know. Yeah. Eh, one of the, a couple of them might hit him here or there, might do some damage, but he's, you should destroy them, you know. You know, but then again, what if you're, you know, you throw him up against, you know, uh, the, the wrong encounter, you know, some mage with mind control or something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, well, you have to, you have to I think, re- also realize, and this we might not want to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but handling the encounter includes evading and escaping. No, that's true. You're right. You know, it may be a case where the fighter comes up against something and realizes, I can't win this fight. I need to get away. Right, but yeah. if you if as a GM you're planning on them. If you know they're gonna they're gonna fight it, and let's let's be honest, when you're playing D and D, you see something, you fight it. Um, We're trying know. to change that. No, I mean, and that's that's we are trying to change that, but that's that's still the basic mindset, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless it's obvious, you don't fight it. You Unless, see something, you fight it to the death. Yes, to the death. Yes, always to the death. Always. Yes. You don't just fight it; you fight it till one of you is dead. <laughs> right, and then uh, and then everyone runs away. <laughs> then it turns into a Monty Python sketch, uh, but. But no, the the idea being, you know, if it's going to be a challenge, if you know it's something they're going to come up against and you're prepared for them to do it, you know, just keep in mind, you know, what resources they have. Are you making them use all of their spells and then you still have a boss fight later? You know, are you taking away all their hit points before that big fight? You know, you know, what are you doing? Can they handle it? It's part of dungeon building. But if you're going to split them up, you really have to pay attention to that. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say this, you know, something very much on par with the, that is when you're splitting the party, make sure that you realize that they don't have all their resources. Exactly. Yeah. Make sure that you're don't give them a quote unquote CR equivalent of something they should be able to handle. And I don't even mean just say, OK, well, you know, it's a two person fifth, fifth level party. So you have X experience points to deal with. Make sure that you remember that there is a fighter and a rogue in this group and a mage and a healer in the other group. So, so the mage and the healer have are limited by spells, but have healing and can handle maybe a wider variety of things. Whereas the fighter and the rogue might have damage output, but don't have any healing or, uh, or support. So you just got to be careful about what you're putting them up against. You know, don't put the wizard and the healer up against, you know, something that they need to sneak around per se unless you know okay well you're my mage is a specialist in illusions or, and stuff like that there's always there's and, always different and don't put variables. the fighter and the rogue up against something that's resistant to non-magical damage right, right exactly right yeah. so you, yeah you just got to know what you're dealing with not just, again not just cr not just experience points wise but like what they physically can handle like it's okay to make them think outside the box a little bit but don't strain them don't make them don't 
don't send someone other than King Arthur to pull Excalibur from the stone. <laughs> Interesting way to put it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely as a GM, you want to keep those things in mind. I mean, unless unless you are trying to scare them out of their wits, unless you are trying to make them run away. But if you are trying to make them run away and they say, well, I'm going to fight the thing because they don't really know what it is. Maybe maybe the description didn't kind of click and they don't know that it's, you know, a CR 13 and they're sitting there at fourth level, you know, have them roll a will save. Just if they fail, they run away. They're yeah. they're they're scared. Or don't they run away from the monster. Or when the fighter goes up and swings with his magical great sword, or like his let's say it's not magical, but just he goes up and swings with his great axe. And don't say you miss. Say your battle axe clings off of the mighty beast's hide, leaving no you know no scratch. Oh crap. Or he breaks it. Yeah, or, or shatters his break. You know, shatters. Yeah. So, you know, technically it was a miss because they have a really high AC, but think about it. Like, it's the, the reason it was a quote-unquote miss because they have a high AC is because it didn't do damage. Not necessarily that it didn't make contact. So take the, you know, take some of those terminologies and reinterpret them and describe them correctly to your player, and that will feed into the whole urination of the pants. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that uh, you can use... Uh, splitting the party to really boost on cliffhangers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, for splitting, for cutting back and forth between the parties, mm-hmm. um, you can have that where this party suddenly comes up around the corner, and there's the big bad guy, and we're going to roll initiative. When do we get back to you? Because I'm going to the other party now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you find out that oh, the big bad guy. Got a ring of invulnerability and can't be harmed by magical weapons. Dun, dun, dun. Now let's go back to the other party that's facing the big bad guy. Right. Yeah. Um, Johnny's got his head in the guillotine. We're hoping the party gets to him in time to save him. Hang on, Johnny. Let's go to the party and see what's happening. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> let's cut away. Yeah. Don't lose your head over it. <laughs> Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah, I mean, just it, like it takes sh- a lot of planning, but I think it yeah, absolutely works out. It's the same idea of like you know ending a session on a cliffhanger. You get to have little because you're having little mini sessions within that one that one sit down that one day of session because right. you're cutting back and forth between different scenes between the players. You get to leave them on cliffhangers, which normally is a gift. You know, you normally have to wait the whole day to be like, all right, and then the terrace busts, you know, the, um, you know, tears the roof off of the building. He looks down at you and snarls and screams. You all start to piss yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, your group's probably going to split up after that <laughs> if they survive. Well, I well, think, I think Torn is Torn asunder. <laughs> well, speaking of cliffhangers and seeing y'all next week, I think it's about time to wrap up. Uh, before we do, there is actually one last thing that I would like to say about splitting the party. Um, make sure that when you do it, you bring them back together before too long. You don't want it to turn into an extended no. session. You know, we don't want to spend two months of gaming where we're playing every week uh, before the players get back together. A session, session and a half tops. Let them have their fun, have those high moments, bring them back together, keep the game going. Yeah, I would just, you know, leave on the moment, you know, the the, the note of don't do it often, but when you do split your party, make sure you're putting, you know, that's when you need to put your extra effort into it because there's such a stigma around it. You know, spend some extra time prepping, make it short, you know, ish, make it sweet, run it well, and hopefully your party will be boasting about the last time they got split and not cursing the last time they got split. Extra time prepping, less time improving. 
On that note, also remember to go back and check out our Improv vs. Prep <laughs> show. <laughs> we just have to plug as many of those as we can. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are going to wrap it up for now. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining joining us. Uh, if you have questions, comments, or have topics you'd like to see covered, feel free to get in touch with us. We love to hear from people, and we love to respond. We are available on Facebook. You can like, comment, subscribe. We're on Twitter at GMS Studios, and we do have message boards up at at GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com. And, of course, we're here every Tuesday with new sessions on how to bring your game up to the next level. So we are headed out for now, but we will see you the next time that we are in the studio. Take care.